Okay, you're either going to love or hate me for this episode. It's the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3, Focus. Today, we're going to be talking to LA's new Queen of Cookies. This season on the Idea Fountain is focused on creators. In episode one, we talked to Sir Mix-a-Lot about how he got his start as an independent artist selling over a million records on his own label. In episode two, we talked to Anik Khan about culture and how community drives everything he does. It's been really fun lately watching him on Instagram, on tour, and being able to connect with community. Today, we're going to talk about cookies because I believe creators are not only musicians and artists and filmmakers, but also chefs. I said you're either going to love or hate me because Lara has a gift, a gift of making the most incredible cookies, but these cookies can be hard to get. This summer, a friend who's named Laura, visited me and brought two boxes of cookies made by someone she went to USC with. They were in cute little boxes, wrapped in twine, tied with a bow. It was also my daughter's birthday, and we had cake and so many other sweets around. I thought, ugh, we don't need all this junk food in the house. And I gave one of the boxes to someone else. And then I tried a cookie. Oh my goodness, they are the best cookies I have ever had in my life. Immediately, I had to know more about her. I looked at Lara's Instagram only to read her unbelievable story. I found her being interviewed on Good Morning America. I saw announcements of cookie drops and notices of cookies being sold out everywhere. Finally, it took me about a month to figure it out, but I got an order in. When I went to pick up the cookies, this little bright light, who also happened to be from Seattle, delivered them out to my car. It was Lara herself. She makes a habit of meeting and connecting with each customer. This chat taught me so much about trusting the process, leaning into focus, being mindful of what you spend your time on, and how relationships matter not just if you're making cookies, but music or launching a new business. I think there's something for everyone in this episode. And with that, Lara, let's see if I can make my high school French teacher proud. It's Fleuz itself. This is the Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations. Ah, uh, Fleur et Sel? Fleur et Sel? Almost. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 you're very good. I know it's it's so funny. It's, you know, there's like the French way of saying it, and then there's like the English way of saying it, and then there's the, we're trying to speak French way, but either way, they're all loved. Fleur et Sel, Fleur et Sel, they're all loved. Um, well, I always appreciated being called Julie better than Julie at the end of the day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, I have so many questions for you and your origin story is really important, but I want to say what I've heard and a lot of the information that's out there from a 10,000 foot view is it feels like you lived in France in high school. Mm -hmm. and went to USC 
And mm-hmm. oh, I left out a huge part that you're from Seattle. Yep. But then we're working at Nordstrom, got laid off in the pandemic, started making cookies, and it blew up to the point that they're nearly impossible to get. And most people that have tried them say they're the best cookies they've ever had in their life. High level. (laughs) Now, Laura, what I want to know and what I just don't understand is if you had the ability to make cookies that tasted this good, why were you not doing it your whole life? Or like, like, did you know that you were that talented? That's a great question. If I knew I would have done this years ago, right? But um, no, I, um, I've always loved to bake and cook. I mean, I feel like I'm a great cook. I'm a great baker, but it never was something that I prioritized. I mean, I feel like, especially with like going to college and all this education and whatever, I had this path that I was on and that's kind of where my focus was and my passions kind of took like a backseat like when I got home after everything I was doing I would bake and cook you know what I mean it was kind of like a joy of mine but it was always like a secondary thing because I had all of these other priorities Um, but with the pandemic you know all of those priorities that I had kind of disappeared right (laughs) and um, I was able to shift my focus and my time and kind of focus on things I was passionate about because I really just had the time. And I find that, especially with a lot of people I've spoken to and even just friends and even coworkers that I had at Nordstrom, like so many of us, you know, had or have bigger dreams than what we were doing. Um, Granted, I loved working at Nordstrom, like loved working at Nordstrom, but I met so many people that wanted to do this or wanted to do that, or were trying to do, you know, trying to fulfill their real passions. But you know, all of these excuses are just time, you know, like we just didn't have the time to give to it. Um, or after working an eight hour, hour shift, you're just tired, you know, and at this point you don't want to work on your business plan or I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that we all go through. And I feel like when I was working at Nordstrom, I was trying to pursue dentistry and I was so focused on that, but then caught up with working at Nordstrom and doing what I was doing. And then, I mean, baking and cooking was just something that I did to relax after all of these things. Um, So I'm so grateful for the pandemic because it did give me some time to sit back, relax, figure out, you know, where I was in life and what I wanted to do and truly like express, you know, that inner child of like being creative and like being free and like feeling like I could do anything and the world was mine. Cause that's kind of how I felt um, in April when I didn't have a job. (laughs) So, yeah. And it's so interesting to me because, you know, I understand and appreciate that it's easy to get on this systematic path, right? Especially with the education system. Like we know you've got to do great in high school and then kill it in college, maybe get a master's or, you know, go into dentistry and you're just always looking towards the next step that's already been laid out for you. Right. But what's interesting when you talk about dentistry, I mean, the pandemic, like you still could have been a dentist, right? Like there was as much need as ever for healthcare workers. How did you cross that bridge after being laid off to not only abandon what you thought you were supposed to do, but not give in to the fear? Because we were all in April of 2020 facing so much fear. Totally. Um, I think 
you know, a part of me, cause I had applied to dental school twice. That was my second round of applying to dental school and being told no. So I was like, okay, not that I had accepted my fate and I was like, I'm, I'm through. Right. But there was that in the back of my mind. Right. And then with Nordstrom, I was laid off. Things were uncertain. Like we had no idea if we were going to ever get hired back. I mean, I, I didn't ever destined to be at Nordstrom forever. So I was like, okay, maybe this is just like divine timing of me needing to like reevaluate. Right. But also I was like applying to different jobs just to see what else was out there. And I had never worked like a regular corporate nine to five job with Zoom meetings and this and like, I had never used Zoom or video, Google, like nothing, right? Besides like FaceTime. Um, and I was applying for all these jobs uh, with big companies, you know, and I was like reading through these job descriptions and I was, sorry, turn off my phone, tweaking my resume. And I, I just was like, none of this seems for me. Um, I just was like, you know, reading these job descriptions. And I just was like, no, no, no. And like, granted, I'm like very smart. I'm very educated. Like I have everything on my resume, everything you could ever want. Right. And it was like, I would spend hours perfecting my resume for a job that would not present itself. And I think, you know, I just was, was tired of being told no. Like, oh, we don't think you're the right fitter. Like, no, we're not looking for candidates. Or like, yeah, you would be a great fit, but with COVID, we're not. I just was like tired. So I would close my computer and I'd go to my kitchen and I'd bake and I'd cook. And that's what brought me joy. And it's, you know, by doing that, that I was like, oh, like, I really like this. And I, you know, I can still be my creative self. And, you know, there's, it's more than just baking cookies or making food. It's like, there's marketing, you know, there's, photography, there's art, there's branding, there's customer relationships. Like there's so many like layers and components. And like, it's such a creative field that I've built. And like I said, I've, I remember when I did work right out of college, I did have like a nine to five desk job. I worked for this company that was like a small startup and I was doing like their accounting. And I remember being so bored that I would make paper cranes at my desk all day all day. And I just was like, one day came and I was like, nope, can't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, and I, I just, I've just always been someone who's creative. And so, you know, after applying to like hundreds of jobs, I was over it. So I closed my computer, went to the kitchen, started baking. And after I would bake, I would take pictures of what I made. And after I took pictures, I'd market it and I'd brand it. And I would do this on Instagram and you know what I mean? And that's really how I learned to like, love this creative business that I was building. Um, and that's really where the foundation became for like the business itself. That's so awesome. I love that part of the story because it really sounds like you're a true entrepreneur. Like I love that you can own every single part of it because, you know, I was curious at what like your favorite element was, you know, is it dreaming up new recipes? Is it, you know, and it, it sounds like it's really all of it. Yeah. Um, especially I mean, as you know, being a small business owner, like you wear so many hats, like I bake, but it's not just baking. I do the marketing, I do the photography, I do the, you know, everything. Um, and it's great because I've been able to really like have this like 365, like um, understanding of the business, including like the not so pretty logistical, operational, financial, like everything, right? The modeling, the scaling, the business plan, like all of that stuff. But I do love, I mean, I love everything, some more than other. Like, I don't like reading my emails. <laughs> I just, I don't, you know. 
but I do love the customer interaction. I do love the customer relationships. I love the FaceTime that I get when I see my customers. Uh, I also love the marketing um, and like the branding and like the, uh, like I make all of my digital assets. I really enjoy that. I love, I learned how to make my own website and like, I loved, you know what I mean? So there are parts that I love that are all really creative. Um, and it's cool to kind of have like a handle on everything. Yeah, yeah. it's really special. And you said something uh, that I thought was really important and it was the customer service aspect. I have a fundamental belief. I love community so much that my fundamental belief is that everybody matters, right? Mm-hmm. And I heard that your experience at Nordstrom was you treated every customer that way. And that level of customer service dominoed into really helping your business. Is that true? Totally. Yeah. I mean, at Nordstrom, I, uh, I worked in designer shoes. So granted we could sell anything in the store. Right. But I was in designer shoes and the beauty of that business is that you're selling like high price print items. So like five ninety five St. Laurent pump up to $1,700 Giuseppe sample. Right. So like these are expensive items you're selling. And one of my managers that I had, her name's Desiree, awesome woman. Um, she always reminded us to like, you know, not just wait for that customer to walk through the door, find other ways to like sell the product. Right. Because our department was like hundred percent commission driven. So if I didn't hustle and build those relationships and make those sales, like that's my check. So just naturally from when I started working there, I just knew like I had to hustle. I had to work hard. I had to build relationships. So I've just had these like skills ingrained in me twofold with building relationships and like having a great customer experience. Right. So with building Florisel, I really am so thankful for my Norsham customers, many of whom would come in the store and ask me by name. Hey, is Lara working? You know, Lara, how are you? You know, just stuff like that, that, you know, I would check in with them and so and so. And so when COVID hit, it was like a really um, natural progression, right? To kind of reach out to them and say, hey, hope you're doing well. Um, you know, I'm not working in Orsham anymore. I know you really want me to order these shoes for you and get the commission because you're so kind, but I am uh, selling cookies if you're interested, right? So that's kind of how I pivoted. Um, and some were interested, some weren't, you know, but it, it didn't matter. It just was a way to like reconnect with them. Um, because I do believe in the relationships that I built and they weren't superficial relationships, right? I didn't just, you know, check in with these women to get their money for them to buy shoes. Like I genuinely was like, how are you? How's your family? And et cetera. Um, and it's been really beautiful to say like to this day, like I still have a handful of them that I speak with on a regular basis that are customers or not, but just to have those relationships, um, you know, it really speaks to the foundation that I laid when I worked at Nordstrom and how organically those relationships have grown. And I love that you treat your customers today the same as the people that were buying $1,800 shoes. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I feel like every dollar, everyone, I don't know what the phrase is, but like your dollar is just as good as mine. It's just as good as Sally's. It's just as good as Tyrese. You know what I mean? It it just doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, And I, pride myself and I aspire to give everyone the same level of service, whether you're buying $6 grab bag or $500 order, because I value everyone's time and everyone's dollar. And, um, you know, cookies are something that I hope everyone enjoys and I want everyone to identify with. And I want that brand to resonate with everyone, not just, you know, a specific uh, demographic or type of person or community. 
What was the point where, like, what was the moment where you, like, what happened that made you think, like, this could really be a thing, or this could be my career versus this is something I'm doing for fun as a hobby? When did it change from hobby to career? You know, I would say that from the onset, um, even just like in April when I first started, I mean, never did I ever imagine that I'd be catering for big companies and having this much impact. Um, but anything that I do, I do it well and I, I um, do it carefully and thoughtfully. So even, you know, the early days of Fleurisel, like my logo is the same, my branding is the same, my story is the same, right? Like you can dial back to April 21st, 2020, and you'll see that my packaging was a plastic box, but it still had my sticker and my logo. Like it has been the same. It's just evolved and like matured a little bit. Like I'm a little more refined now with my brown boxes versus plastic. But, you know, I, my parents always say like, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, just do it well and be the best. So I never was going to dive into a business or floricelle and like half asset. I was always going to make sure that okay, I am giving you 12 cookies in this plastic box, but I'm going to put a ribbon and a bow on it and hand deliver it. So it seems elevated, you know, like, yeah, I just was always, you know, wanting to put my best foot forward always. And that, and that even goes to like how I carry myself and the clothes I wear, how I speak. Like I, I've always wanted to like present myself well, um, to be taken seriously, you know, but also so people like, you know, believe in me and what I'm doing. So, yeah. <laughs> that's inspiring. I think that's one thing in life I could probably do better on because I get so excited about thinking 10 steps in the future that I'm not always grounded and present. Like even with my podcast, The Idea Fountain, I get so excited about people's stories and doing interviews that I love that part of it, but then need to do, or at least want to do a better job laying out the brand or the marketing and I don't know I guess it maybe does come down to being present yeah that and I think also understanding that like it comes with time right because we only have so much time in the day to do mm -hmm. all of these crazy things that we want to do and as women we can do them all you know but you know sometimes I spend a lot of time on the marketing other times I'm like I this has to take a back seat because I want to be present with you and you know, when I'm not present with you, okay, now it's time to tap into the emails, but I feel like everything will come with time. And I feel like creating human connection and like really valuable experiences is like the most important thing right now, at least what I, I feel. Um, and everything will kind of build off of that. Because I think right now more than ever, people identify with real people and real stories versus like influencers and like perfection, you know? I like the imperfect, I am imperfect, you know, look at me, you know? <laughs> But I, I think right now more than ever, people appreciate like what's real. And if you're storytelling or a real business owner or you're, and I'm not even saying like struggle, you know, I'm just saying like what's real and authentic to the individual. Yeah. Right. So I have one other business question for you. How did you detach from the conventional methods of distribution. And what I mean by that is especially, look, you were working at Nordstrom at retail, right? There's a very specific way, you know, clothes are sold and distributed. 
It would yeah. be easy to think, oh, I'm going to make cookies. I either need to open a store or I need to find somebody to sell them for me. And it's almost like you did the exact opposite. Like, how did you build out your business plan and find, was it luck or coincidence or did you just go with the flow? Like, how did your business plan come together? Uh, that's a great question. Um, it's definitely been a mix of things. Uh, it's been a mix of like trial and error. It's been the beautiful grace of COVID and just having to be creative. Um, and I think the center piece is, is still the relationships because that's like a big um, part of the business. And just like my personal values, um, I'm very family oriented. And I feel like Flaresel is a huge family, you know? So you know, I, like I said, I love that like B2C experience, you know, it might not be forever. Like as I grow, it might have to change or look different, but right now, especially like with COVID and so on and so forth, I felt that that human connection element, even if it's just me handing you your cookie in your car, like it, it, it does go a long way, you know, and it's like, maybe I can't see you smile, but I do see your eyes, you know, and like, I feel your heart and I feel like that goes a long way. Um, at least for me, and maybe that's selfish. That's what that's what I was looking for. You know, it's like after hours of cooking and baking by yourself, like I want to see someone. You know, but um, uh, business model wise, I mean, I've done what works for me. I I'm never someone that's been competitive. I don't follow other baking accounts. I don't stalk other bakers. I don't stalk other businesses to see what they're doing. Like I'm not looking at how they're posting on social media and mimicking. Like no, I'm doing my own thing, and that's the beauty of Thrysel because it's it's our own thing. It's not like a copycat version of this. It's not a Levain copycat cookie wannabe. It's not a milk bar uh, second, no. Like Thrysel is it's its own thing. And I'm focused on doing my own thing versus watching other people copycat one another. Yeah, because I mean, there's no one size fit all for any business. Even right. Nordstrom, like we were there, like, yeah, you would think, okay, back in the day, like, I'm just going to wait for these customers to walk through the door and pray that they spend a thousand dollars with me so I can get X percent. Like, no, I'm going to drive business electronically. I'm going to text them. I'm going to create a style board and send them inspo that they'll hopefully like. I'm going to champion and be the influencer. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many more ways than just like waiting for a customer to come through the door. And that's something that we all learned early on. It's just a matter of if you're able to like adapt to these changes. And like the retail environment, the shopping environment, the customer experience, you know, there's so many moving parts, but it's just like, are you able to adapt to the change and like the landscape of retail itself? It's so funny just with us both being from Seattle, I know and appreciate how local Nordstrom is right to the Seattle area. And there's a side of me that just wonders, has Pete Nordstrom had your cookies? <laughs> Like, let's you know? see, like, you could see this dream of like getting them in all the cafes. I don't even know if that's your dream, but it'd be a fun full that's, circle. That's that would be very full circle. Um, I uh, so actually, I went to school with like the Nordstrom kids, so like Lee and Eric or Eric Nordstrom's kids and stuff. Um, and I, I think I reached out to them to tell them about the pop up I had at the Grove, but I don't think they've had my cookies yet. I don't know if they followed along, but I think it would be pretty gnarly if they did try some hopefully like them sure we can make it happen at some point that's awesome yeah. I, don't think they have, I don't i know i know they have it so that could be fun 
That's awesome. Um, what if people haven't had your cookies yet and they want to try them, what is the best thing for them to do? Best thing for them to do, I would say two things. Uh, we do a lot on Instagram. So if possible, follow our account and turn on your notifications. Um, I out I sell, I'm sure you'll tag it or whatever. Um, that, and if you don't have Instagram, that's okay. The website is also fully updated. Like I update everything. So it's updated. Um, and I always post about like the cookie drops, what time, where you can find the cookies, et cetera. Um, we do pop-ups and have some partnerships that we do every now and then, um, which I really enjoy because it gives me the opportunity to like partner with another organization or another brand or store, reach different audiences and then have like more flexible pickup locations. Um, so that's been really awesome. Um, and then as I continue to grow, I'll just keep, you know, people updated with what's next. <laughs> And what advice do you have for somebody that is passionate about a creative project or starting their own business, but it's just so scary because there isn't the obvious safety net or it's just you out there doing it? What would you tell them? That's tough because that's me, right? <laughs> um, but I, I would say, um, and I've said this before too, like being your own cheerleader and your own champion goes a long way. Because like, if I didn't believe in Floricel, like, why would you believe in it, right? And if I didn't believe in my product and believe in my marketing and everything, like, why would, why would anyone else want to kind of catch on? Um, so that's the first thing. And then as cliche as it is, like, just do it. Because that, that's what I did. I, I, just, I just did it, you know? And a lot of people I've spoken to, they have this hesitation or this great idea or they, it's like, you just keep making up excuses for yourself and it's hard, right? But like leaving Norsham, I didn't have a lot of money in my pocket at all. I was on unemployment.com trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? So you, you just can't be, you just can't be scared. And, you know, I feel like a lot of it is being open to learning um, and like facing those challenges, like straight on, like for the longest, I didn't have a website and customers were DMing me to order and it just was getting so overwhelming and I remember like asking different people if they could help me make a website. Of course, no one's following up with me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it myself. And that's like a new skill that I learned. And now my website's great. I think it's great, you know, but then it's like, okay, photography. So it's like, I have all these cookies. I want to take great pictures. And like, I did have some person take photos early on. I didn't really like them, but I was like, she's a professional, you know? but I didn't really like them. So I bought a camera, saved up some money, bought a camera and I took all the photos myself. And I love them, you know? So it's just like learning how to like save money if money's the issue, like being open to learning a new skill. Like I'm not a website developer, but like figure it out, you know? Or it's like making a logo, even like stickers. Like I didn't know how to get stickers printed. Like when I first started, I printed them out of my printer and I cut them and I had, um, clear packaging tape so I put the packaging tape over the sticker and I cut it in a square and put it on my box until I figured out how to print stickers you know what I mean ah. so it's just like I could have let all of these obstacles just like stop me like no website no packaging no stickers no team I don't know no space I don't know you know but instead I was like nope I'm gonna do this nope I'm gonna figure this out like you know just just attacking these things head on and like just being persistent that's what I did and it's worked so <laughs> that's what I would say
That's awesome. Well, it's such a, it's such a joy to know you and to taste your cookies. <laughs> and, uh, the last time I, I got some, I think I overdid it. I like had, had tried to like buy them at the right time. So many times that when I got them, I was like, I'm going to buy all of them. <laughs> also the brownies too. I turned into like the cookie fairy for a week. I got to feel that joy of handing them out. And, you know, I do respect and appreciate so much the effort you do put into them because it really was like giving someone a gift every mm. single time you know the little package of cookies but yeah I had people from my work that had been trying to get them and couldn't and so I saved them from them and then was giving them to neighbors and there I think I'm about due so I'll, I'll come swoop through soon let me know Thank um, and keep me posted anything you need or any way I could help you I will. You're so kind. Well, it, it's seriously, uh, I'm so um, just impressed and appreciate and uh, I love your energy. And like I said, your cookies. So I'm glad you're like in my circle now. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Idea Fountain. And don't forget, every other week, we're having an IG Live book club to accompany this season focused on creators. The book we're talking about is Death of the Artist by William Dershowitz. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter if you go to at the Idea Fountain on IG. There's a link in the bio, or you can always go to juliepilot.co for more. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it.